Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach us on the show by following us on Twitter at Championship Pod. And you can reach my personal Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers, where I mainly tweet about Preston North End and German football. Yeah, I'm Kevin, editor of Leeds United Mad, Twitter handle Leeds United underscore Mad. Anything Leeds United, you'll find me on there. And um, nine games to go to the end of the season. I'm Simeon, editor of the Tar West End. We cover um, everything about Reading. We've got a podcast, uh, which I'm sometimes on, and we write all about Reading, analysis, match sports, everything. So give us a check out on Twitter. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. Uh, slightly later episode this week, and I know I've had a lot of stick on Twitter for uh, postponing it due to Mother's Day on Sunday, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I apologise for I that. I thought that was quite on. nice, actually, that. Well, well, so did nice I when I, when I did it, and I, yeah, I got <laughs> quite a lot of <laughs> abuse for cancelling it, so that that's my apology out the way. Uh, Main, mainly from your mother as well, I bet. I bet. You shouldn't cancel it, just get on with it. I'm quite happy <laughs> with a bottle of wine. <laughs> oh, well, I ended up passing out on the sofa, so I probably would have been asleep anyway. Um, yeah, anyway, so the the weekend, obviously, most teams played at the weekend. Uh, we had sort of a full game week, which I'll run through now. So first game on the Saturday was Burton and Bristol City sharing a nil-nil draw. Uh, Cardiff won at home 3-2 against Birmingham City. Hull beat Norwich 4-3 in a game that I'm sure we'll uh, get onto in a minute. Ipswich and Sheffield United drew nil-nil. Middlesbrough beat Barnsley 3-1. Millwall, who still are surprising me this season, beat Brentford 1-0. Preston uh, got beat 2-1 at home to Fulham, which I don't really want to talk about (laughs) because I'm still quite bitter about that. QPR beat Sunderland 1-0. Reading and Leeds drew to all uh, in a game that I didn't realise both of your teams were playing each other, so I've uh, (laughs) kind of messed up a bit there. Sheffield Wednesday and Bolton drew one all, and Aston Villa beat Wolves 4-1 in a Midlands derby. Uh, And speaking of derby matches, Nottingham Forest and Derby drew uh, in their respective derby 0-0 on the Sunday. Um, We'll go to you first, Kev. Are there any games in that in particular that stand out for sort of a, a positive reason or sort of the surprise result in there um, sort of get your thoughts on the game week really yeah I mean you mentioned Millwall who have been a bit of a surprise especially the second half of the season I suppose you've got to say that was a, a decent result for them because it keeps them ticking along and six points off the top six so you never know uh, but for me, I think Hull, Hull and Norwich, 4-3, you've got to pick a high-scoring game, I suppose. And Hull seems to be going through a good run now and seems to be edging away from those uh, bottom spots. So I'd go for Hull 4-3. I mean, any punter would like to see a 4-3 result, especially if it goes your way as well. So I think that's a, a standout result from the weekend. Yeah, definitely. Sort of looking at that game, watching sort of the goals go in as they did, you know, four penalties in a game, 4-3. You know, great advertisement for the league, not necessarily the defending in the league, but sort of the attacking play, definitely. Um, yeah, absolutely agree with you there that Hull, you know, they're starting to turn it around now. I think at the start of the season, many people would have expected them to be, you know, further sort of up the table, sort of definitely challenging for the playoffs. Uh, similar with Norwich, really, you know, they're down in 14, spent sort of a fair bit of money. Um, and, you know, they've had quite an underwhelming season by their standards. And, you know, James Madison, who got the the free goals for them, it's going to be sort of quite hard for them to keep hold of him in the summer. But I think if they are to challenge next season, you know, they, they do definitely need to, to try and keep hold of him. Um, I wonder, if he, uh, I wonder if, he was, if he was quite happy to leave the pitch with a ball under his arm. Now, when, when, when you lose 4-3 and he's got a hat-trick. 
you're more likely to throw the ball back to the referee, really, because right? you'd be a bit gutted that you, your team didn't win. But still a good, obviously two penalties, I know, but still a, uh, to get an hat-trick away from home and, and come on, on the losing team is a bit gut-wrenching, really, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I was just about to say that, you know, it's not often that you score a hat-trick away from home and then to not even come away with, with anything apart from the match ball from the game, um, you know, must be bitterly disappointing for him. You know, he's been fantastic all season and it's just not going Norwich's way for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, I, I reckon come this time next season, you know, once they've had sort of a bit of time to stabilise in the division, I think they'll definitely be up there come next season. Um on to you, Simeon. Were there any sort of games in particular from the Saturday games that stood out for you, sort of results-wise? Uh, a couple, really. The whole game, obviously, because um, just a really big win for Hull to be able to get three points this stage of the season. The whole bottom kind of eight is really low quality at the moment. No one's really picking up any wins at all. So for Hull to be able to get that three points, and they obviously got some in midweek as well. Um, it's a really good week for them to push away from the bottom three and it looks like it's just about started to guarantee them some safety being able to push them up the table um Fulham as well getting that late win at Preston which must have been absolutely heartbreaking for you sorry to bring it up but no no it's fine (laughs) (laughs) in all seriousness Fulham being able to um get that kind of result we've seen them play some really good attacking football some very um entertaining football over the last couple of months obviously they got that really good win against Wolves a couple of weeks ago to be able to go somewhere like Preston which is one of those stereotypical tough places to go in the championship and to get three points really shows how much substance there is behind their move up the table it's not just about um, a brief run where they um, play really well for a couple of games they're also able to get those three points in the really tough matches where you don't really expect them to um, to do quite so well. But I guess the big one for me is Villa 4, Wolves 1, um, the late game on the Saturday. Um, Wolves have been going so well for much of the season, but to then get trashed at a promotion rival must have been absolutely gutting for them. And it kind of carried on a, a bad run for them. I think it was one win in five after that game. So it kind of, to me, cast doubt on whether they will or not um, get the uh, get the championship title at the end of the season. Um, Villa, Cardiff, and Fulham are all chasing behind them very uh, very closely, getting a lot of points regularly. Um, and if this stuttering form from Wolves carries on, then maybe you have to start thinking about whether or not they will get the title. Um, also, from a Reading point of view, um, we always love to uh, keep track of who's going to um, be able to beat our points record for the division 106 points and that win for Villa kind of ensured mathematically that Wolves can't beat it which is always a nice um, nice little thing for a Reading fan from our point of view Yeah you sort of mentioned the Reading uh, sorry this is not the Reading the, the Wolves and Villa game there do you think especially with the way Wolves have been pegged back quite a bit now you know they're only three points clear of Cardiff same uh, amount of games played do you reckon there's been a sense of Wolves almost in the back of their minds thinking that you know promotion is already secured and them taking their eye off the boil a bit or do you think it is just down to you know the long championship season catching up with sort of especially sort of the the players that they brought in from you know foreign leagues who aren't used to playing this many games in a season what do you sort of 
put down their poor sort of run over the last few weeks too. I guess they just run out of steam, to be honest. You can only be a really good side for so long, and it's been, what, six, seven months of the season where they've been absolutely flying. Sooner or later, they're bound to lose a bit of momentum. They're, they're bound to kind of pick up a few key injuries and just lose a bit of that positivity and that that drive that I've been pushing them along. Um, and as you say, it's um, a couple of players who came in last summer who hadn't had any championship experience before they came here. Obviously, they're very good players, people like Neves and Bonatini, but they don't have the experience of this division and that's what you need in the end. It's what Cardiff have with um, Neil Warnock, but it's a very... Um, it's a very particular skill to be able to get three points regularly in this division, regardless of how well you're playing, regardless of who's injured and who isn't. And it's something that Wolves are going to have to learn very quickly now. It's a very different challenge that they've got over the last 10 games or so than what they have had for the rest of the season. They're going to have to adapt. They're going to have to work out how to get three points where teams are kind of, they've sent in blood, they've, they figured out there's a weakness in this Wolves side um, mentally, psychologically, and it's something that other teams are going to try and pounce on now. So it's something that uh, Santo's got to really get his head around. He's got to adapt the team, having done so well for so much of the season. Now he's got to adapt his team and work out a different way of winning games. Yeah, you mentioned there, obviously, Cardiff, you know, been on this fantastic run. That's seven games in a row now uh, with their winner on last night's sort of run of fixtures, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, I'll pass this one over to you, Kev. Yeah. Obviously, as Simeon mentioned there, you know, they've got a manager in Neil Warnock who who knows the division, knows exactly, yeah. you know, how the league sort of works. <clears throat> Do you think that Cardiff can maintain this sort of fantastic run they've been on and, and secure that second spot uh, sort of over the last nine games or so? Yeah, I mean, I can still see them challenging Wolves right to the death, really. Um, Warnock's is, you know, obviously one of these managers. He just gets a group of players together and they just seem to gel. They all know, to, know how to do the jobs. Um, they've been around a while. They've got things to prove because they've been at other clubs in the Premier League, maybe, and they haven't proved anything. And so they're, they're trying to get back there now to prove a point, maybe, to themselves and to the to the fans that they can still do something. So he gets this group together and they all all know the jobs, all know the positions. If they if they go out of line, they'll they'll certainly know about it with Warnock on the backs. He's just one of these guys that gets a group of uh, a squad of, a squad of uh, sort of nobodies really, because there's no sort of massive talent in that team. They're all sort of been around a, a little while. And like I say, like Saul Bamba is a good example. He became a bit of a joke figure at Leeds because he, you know, his performances were really bad towards the end of his career at Leeds. And now look at him; he's, he's like a world beater in that back four with uh, Cardiff, and he's, he's proving a point to everybody. And I think the the game on on Good Friday, I think they play each other on the sixth of April at Cardiff, Cardiff and Wolves. That could be a real decider who actually wins the. Uh, wins the league but I think Wolves apart from Cardiff away and Derby at home and Middlesbrough away I think all their other games are fairly what you'd call it fairly easy for Wolves but it's this time of season now when they're looking behind their backs and seeing who's chasing them nerves do come into it a little bit and I think you know uh, the teams that they're expected to be could maybe pull a surprise um, so it's not over, over uh, by any means but I think that Cardiff and Wolves have got the top two slots 
between themselves. I don't think anybody else really will catch them now because uh, Villa, have, like you said, proved last night that you know sometimes they can get one of those results that could sort of backtrack them a little bit. And Derby have been floundering a little bit themselves. I mean, there's only Fulham really that could maybe challenge the top two. But I think even they may have left it a little bit late this season to maybe to pull off that. Yeah, definitely. I think sort of to to move on to the Preston game, you know, Fulham came to Deepdale and I spoke to Russ uh, earlier last week, sort of previewing the game. And what he said was sort of, as Simeon mentioned earlier, you know, earlier in the season, they were playing good football, but weren't sort of with the squad in a position where they can sort of grind out wins even when they're not necessarily playing that well which you know saw them being quite inconsistent at the start of the season and you know was as gutting as it was for for us uh, sort of from a Preston point of view and I think we thoroughly deserve to get something out of the game even though it would have been another one-all draw which you know I'd like to think we're in double figures of that now this season that would have been I think our 16th draw of the season you know, they they found a way to to nick the winner right at the death, which, you know, desperately disappointing for us. But it's that man Mitrovic again who, you know, myself included, Preston fans were absolutely sick of the sight of him now. I think that's eight goals in three games. And, you know, there's just sort of there's those players that you come up against uh, sort of club wise who always seem to do a number on you. And, you know, Mitrovic is definitely one of those players. And I think um, Jukanovic now has really got <coughs> sort of the, the Fulham squad in probably out of all the teams in the division, I'd say in probably the best position to to go out and enjoy the last sort of nine or 10 games of the season. You know, it'd take a real drastic drop for them to slip outside the playoffs and they can carry on playing, you know, the way they are doing now. And the pressure really is on the top two who Wolves, especially, you know, I think probably about a month or two ago, we were talking about them, how much were they going to win the league by, you know, I think they were about 10 points clear at one stage and, you know, to be only three points clear now, the pressures, you know, massively on them. Same with Cardiff to the same extent that, you know, they've slightly pulled away and, and the pressure's on them to keep that run going now till the end of the season. So I think Fulham, you know, at the moment are probably the team that can play without any fear. And, you know, as I said, it'll take a real sort of change in fortune for them to drop off. Um, but sort of to move away from the, the weekend games and then move into the midweek ones, there was thankfully a rest for Preston. You know, quite a lot of our <laughs> players are looking quite jaded at the moment. So to get that sort of nice seven day rest uh, in before the trip up to Sunderland was was important for us. Um, I'll just run us through the fixtures and then, you know, same as we did with the weekend, we'll, we'll sort of go through them. So I think definitely the surprise result of the night, Aston Villa won QPR 3. Barnsley and Norwich, one all draw. Brentford lost 3-1 at home to Cardiff, who we've just been talking about. Ipswich lost 3-0 at home to Hull City, which I'll uh, get onto that game in a minute. Sheffield United beat Burton 2-0, and then Wolves, unfortunately for you, Simeon, uh, beat Reading 3-0. Um, we'll start with you first on this, Simeon. Same as the weekend, are there any sort of surprise results in there that sort of stick out for you? I guess QPR winning so comfortably at Villa has to be the um, the most obvious shock, um, and I guess it's a symptom of um, Villa perhaps getting a little bit complacent, perhaps at the top of the table, having an easier team at home. They can often be the more difficult ones because at the end of the day, they're the kind of 
the the boring games that you just got to get three points in regularly. It's not the glamorous tie against uh, another big side at the top of the table that you can really enjoy. It's one of those kind of uh, monotonous um, midweek home games. You just got to try and grind out a win in. You can't really you you can't really win to be honest. If you get three points, that's the job you're expected to to do. If you lose it, then it's um um pretty catastrophic. I'm not expecting it to derail their promotion bid or anything like that, but it just perhaps suggests there's a little bit of a chink in the armour at the moment. Um, Hull winning at Ipswich as well, um, not just because Hull have been able to get that um, second win in as many games and really start to push away from the bottom three, but from Ipswich's point of view, I think it was a really low attendance. There was quite a hostile atmosphere towards McCarthy from what I've seen on Twitter. Um and the Ipswich fans seem to be quite jaded, quite disillusioned with McCarthy at the moment. He's been there quite a long time and they don't seem to be going anywhere at the moment. I know he's kind of stabilised them in mid-table, but you got to ask, do they want him long-term? And it doesn't seem like a good atmosphere at Portman Road anymore. Yeah, definitely agree with you on the Ipswich point there. And sort of looking at the table at the moment, 15 wins, seven draws, 15 defeats and a goal difference of zero. You know, it banging mid-table, you know, they're having a, a decent season, I'd say. They're not in any trouble of going down and they're not a million miles off the playoffs, although I really can't see them sort of making any sort of late push for it. And, you know, after the game on Twitter, I saw that Mick McCarthy had had the players out on the pitch for his sort of post-match team talk, similar to how uh, Phil Brown did for Hull at Man City, you know, quite a few years ago now, uh, but with it been at the end of the game rather than half-time. And, you know, he, he sort of had his had his post-match talk and then all the players were applauding him after. So there's quite a lot of Ipswich fans that I've seen on Twitter, you know, maybe suggesting that, you know, his time is coming to an end at Ipswich. And, you know, speaking to Ben, who comes on the podcast uh, from time to time, I think he would agree with me that, I think the best thing to happen for Ipswich at the moment would be, you know, to have a sort of a bit of fresh air coming to the club, really. As you mentioned, Simeon, you know, really low attendance last night and quite a hostile atmosphere. And they seem to be a club, really, at the moment that, you know, each season they're going to be smack bang in the middle of mid-table. They've got sort of too much quality to go down, but not enough quality to go up. And I think, you know, even though you, you hate to see a manager lose their job, I think it's getting to the stage with Ipswich now where it's probably best for all parties that they, you know, go their separate ways and and sort of move forward separately. Um, sort of to cover the, the other games, I think, uh, you know, Cardiff going to Brentford, which isn't an easy place to go and getting a 3-1 victory, especially after going 1-0 down quite early on as well. Uh, fantastic for them. Um, and, you know, we've just been singing their praises about how that seven wins on the bounce for them now. Um, and, you know, I think unless they do collapse, and I don't think Neil Warnock would sort of allow that with the experience he's got at the division. I think, you know, come May, we, we'd be talking about them going up to the Premier League. Um, and then the other game, really, obviously the Wolves-Reading game, it was important for Wolves to get back to winning ways and, you know, pick up sort of where they left off before this bad run of form kicked in. Um, so, you know, albeit disappointing for you, Simeon, I think they, uh, you sort of played them at the wrong time, especially after quite a heavy Derby Day defeat, you know, to Aston Villa. So 
I think they're looking to get back on track now. And, you know, I think they've got Burton at home at the weekend where you'd expect them to get, you know, another three points from there. And, you know, hopefully for them, they can kick on now and, you know, sort of secure that promotion without it sort of dragging on any longer. Um, are there any games that you sort of uh, sort of think to cover, Kev, that surprised you in any way? Uh, yeah, I think we've covered them, really. I think QPR was obviously the result of the evening, really, because... Um... After beating Wolves 4-1, I thought, like Simeon says, I think they took the eye off the ball a little bit, thinking we'll just turn up, get the three points and move on. But Holloway's teams don't play like that, and obviously they gave them a big surprise. And um, keep it out of one of those teams. If you don't take them seriously, they will get, give you a result like that. And that, for me, was the standout result. Obviously, Hull at uh, Ipswich... It's a bit toxic at Ipswich at the moment. I think with Mick, even if Mick McCarthy wins, he, he doesn't get the plaudits from the fans anymore now. I think it's gone beyond that stage now, really, where I think they both um, might love each other, but obviously hate each other as well. So I think it may be time to move on a little bit now for Mick, and I think he'll go to Passage News in the, in the summer. Um, yeah, and Cardiff, obviously, yeah, not an easy place to get a victory at Brentford, but they pulled it off, and that's why I think Cardiff and um, Wolves probably will end up in the top two positions because they do get the results when it matters. And Wolves have, even though they've been a bit shaky recently, they do, I think, they, they can afford for things to be a bit shaky in their position because they're in such a strong position. I think with the remaining games, apart from the three I mentioned earlier, Middlesbrough, Cardiff, and Derby. Uh, all the other games are about, uh, against teams sort of lower in the league, which you'd expect them to brush aside. So I think they'll uh, finish in the top two with Cardiff, and it's just a battle for positions for the uh, remaining playoff spots. Yeah, definitely. Sort of to go a little bit off topic, one that I didn't have planned. If, if you guys were to pick now who were going to finish in the playoffs, it'd be interesting to get your opinions. Who would be your sort of four that you'd say at, at the present moment would be the four best place to finish in the playoffs. Um, we'll start with you first on this, Simeon. Um, I guess Villa and Fulham are pretty much nailed on at the moment. They're so far ahead of the rest, 69 and 68 points respectively. And then you go down about 10 points to go down to seventh. So I think they're pretty, they're pretty comfortable in there in terms of um, points and in terms of form as well. Um, Middlesbrough seem to be getting better at the moment as well. They're having a bit of a renaissance under um, Tony Pulis, so I imagine they'll stabilise and just keep on picking up points. They should be fine. I really worry about Derby, though. No wins in their last five. Um, I know it's a tough Derby that they had on uh, Sunday, I think it was, uh, getting that draw against Forest, but you need to be picking up wins quite regularly, and they haven't been doing that. Um, but I guess looking further down what teams are going to um, threaten Derby's place in the top six. Um, it's hard to say, really, because no teams are really jumping out at them. Perhaps Millwall have got the best form out of anyone. Um, but otherwise, you're looking at teams that have been in the top six earlier on in the season but have fallen down, teams like Sheffield United and Bristol City. So it would be interesting to see if um, either the, those teams can kind of... Um, reunite and push back up the table um, so I guess it'll be a pretty close scrap between them and Derby to get that last spot in the top six Yeah and the same question to you Kev, who would you say 
sort of based on current form and, and positions in the table would be your four to get into the top six? Yeah, like Simeon says, you can't look, for, uh, look further than Villa and Fulham. I think they are more or less shoe-ins now for the top six. Um, Fulham made a late, very late surge for the playoffs last season. You're looking around seeing which team could possibly do that now in the top sort of um, 12, 14 positions. And there's not Millwall are a form team, but you can't see them sort of squeaking in there really at the end. Bristol City might still have a, enough petrol in them to finish finish on a high because they've had a stupendous season overall. But yeah, I mean. I can't really pick two teams really that I mean you fancy Derby, but Gary Rowie now when he when he seems speaking after games he's he's sort of looking a bit rattled to me and he's making excuses for referees and players and when he when he gets to that stage you can think the pressure is really on him now to to get that Derby team in the top six and will he will he be strong enough to sort of um, keep him in there? That's that's the big question over Derby. Uh, Pulis has been around a bit, obviously. He's going to find it very ironic sort of, if he does do well with Middlesbrough, sort of swapping positions with West Brom uh, in the Premier League, because obviously he left them in a fair, not a, not a great position, but a lot better position than what they are in now. And he'd probably have a wry smile if that, that does happen, because he has got the nous to take Middlesbrough into the Premier League. But I don't know if he's got the nous to actually keep him in there. So it's, I, I'm really struggling, really, to pick two other teams to join Villa and Fulham. But Derby and Middlesbrough are in pole position. But then, you know, all the other teams behind them, including Preston, James, they've all got a fair a chance of, uh, you know, spoiling the party, if, if you like. Yeah, fingers crossed for us that we do manage to sort of turn it round and, and pick up those points. You know, we've got Sunderland away at the weekend, which you'd like to think should be, you know, sort of a comfortable win for us but you know as as we know there's no easy games in this division and it'd be just like us to get you know decent draws against Wolves and Villa put in a decent performance against Fulham and then go and you know lose at Sunderland so I'm not you know getting ahead of myself yet but you know hopefully we can get a win on Saturday and catch a couple of the teams up um to move on to sort of the the main topic that I wanted to talk about uh, today we kind of it went a bit under the radar really and that's the news of the the summer transfer window will close before the start of the season uh, for this coming year. So I believe it will close on uh, August the 9th, uh, which is a Thursday. So obviously the day before the first Friday night game and then the first weekend. So no permanent transfers to be made after that uh, August 9th deadline. But then between the 9th and the 31st of August, teams can still sign loan players uh, and obviously free agents as well. Um, what do you guys make of the the changes? Do you think it's better for the league and and teams as a whole to know what they're going to be working with, sort of for the most part, with their squads as the season starts, or would you prefer, or would you have preferred to see it sort of remain the same? Uh, we'll start with you first on this, Simeon. Uh, I'm not a fan of the change, to be honest. Um, I think when you look at the transfer window, it's not just kind of. Um, a period when you can make transfers it's quite a an organic um, extended period where a lot of things happen and teams have to not just go into that transfer window with their own plans their own ideas about how they want to recruit players and maybe let other people go but they also have to react to what happens during the transfer window itself so if Reading lose uh, 
a key player halfway through the transfer window or towards the end, you'd hope that they have time to kind of react to that, to change their plans accordingly and to then go out and make another signing. And I think just having a shorter transfer window just makes it harder for teams to properly react and do good business deals, to be honest. There's just going to be a lot of rushed transfers towards the end of uh, the new deadline. What is it? August 9th, I think you said. Yeah. Um, And uh, it doesn't seem like a good idea, to be honest. Um, Obviously, we can only really properly judge it um, a couple of years down the line when everything's kind of... um, when it's had a couple of years to really bed in and teams to get used to it. But instinctively, I'm not a fan. Yeah, and the same question to you, Kev. How do you sort of see it going and, and what was your sort of initial reaction when you heard the news to it? Just getting slightly fed up with all this transfer window stuff, to be honest with you now, because I don't know, they seem to be swapping and changing the uh, the times and everything every season now. And I'm a bit old school, really. I just remember the days when if you fancied a player during the course of the season, you just went in and inquired about them. And if they were available, you just bought them, basically. And he was a fresh player for Saturday. And I think, it, it, like the Sanchez situation, he, he was so keen to leave Arsenal for so for so long. He could tell in his body language and the way he was playing on the pitch. He, he just didn't want to be there. And lo and behold, in January, he moves to Man United. Not that it's done him much good for his career at the moment because he hasn't pulled up any roots at Man United at all. But the body language of players is so affected sometimes. I don't think it makes any difference whether you sell them in August or January. If they want to go in a particular time of the season, just let them go. And I don't understand why there should be restrictions on on transfer deadlines and all this... um, not a school degree that goes on with players because obviously you can tell sometimes if, if a player doesn't want to be at a club, like I said with Sanchez, other clubs have got the same situation. And what do you do? do you, have to, you have to try and get a replacement yourself. And sometimes it, it, it's too late to do anything about it when the window shuts and you, you're just stuck with the squad you have. So it's too late sometimes when a player uh, leaves when you don't expect them to leave. And Van Dyke's another sort of player that wanted to leave Southampton so much that you knew that he was going to get loads of stick from the Southampton fans and nobody was going to respect him. And he gets his wish in the end by going to Liverpool. And I don't know, there's so many restrictions on transfers. I think they should review it from you know top to bottom and just let it go back to what it used to be like back in the old days, I say, you know, when players wanted to leave, just let them leave. And, you know, that that's... Because they're not going to play well for you anyway if they want to go. So... You know, it's, it's one of those situations where it maybe should be looked at again. Yeah, I think on the one hand, you know, it, it makes sense from the point of view that, you know, a manager, and it's probably beneficial to managers for the most part, that they they know exactly what players, you know, for the most part, they're going to be working with then come the first game of the season. I think, <clears throat> for me, the sort of real issue, especially with changing it this season, coming is the fact that obviously we're in the world cup summer the world cup final i believe is on the the 15th of of july and that leaves literally three weeks then to get you know deals across the line with players that maybe have been at the world cup or you know have been sort of on holiday that kind of thing and, and you know shortening it by you know a good sort of two and a half three weeks as simeon said it's going to lead to you know a lot of panic buying and 
I think as a result of that, you know, the January transfer window will become even more hectic that, you know, people who have panic bought in the summer and, you know, now have sort of overloaded squads will be looking to do business there. And I do think that, you know, shortening it will make it sort of more of a mess. And I think definitely it needs to be looked at as a whole. And, you know, obviously it makes good television depending on who you ask. But, you know, football isn't, you know, about sort of appealing, or I suppose it is now, but it isn't or shouldn't be about appealing to what, you know, the television producers and that kind of thing uh, sort of are after. So I think definitely it needs looking at as a whole and, you know, hopefully they can come to sort of an agreement where, you know, it's beneficial to teams and then you still get the excitement as well as a fan of, you know, who's your team going to sign and, I do think this season, especially shortening it, as I said, on a World Cup summer is just asking for trouble. But obviously, we'll have to see how it goes. And, you know, we'll probably be having this conversation, you know, again, sort of come sort of middle of August when, we, uh, when we've seen it in action. Um, but to move on to sort of covering the weekend's games, obviously, all our teams play this weekend. Um, we'll start with you first, Simeon. You've got a sort of a tricky looking game on paper and away trip at Norwich um, how do you see the game going and what would be your sort of score predictions for the game it's interesting to see what's going to come out of it really because both of us are on a pretty dire run of form they've not won in five we not, we've not won in quite a while as well um, and Reading obviously have quite bad memories going to Carrow Road we got trashed 7-1 there last season despite finishing third in the table we still managed to go to a a mid-table side and get absolutely hammered at Carroll Road, which could play on the on the players' minds going into Saturday. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how we react to Wolves, to be honest. Um, it was a dire performance in midweek, but how much of that was because we were playing away at the best side in the league? How much of that was deeper problems that could affect us on Saturday? I'm not so sure, and I guess... Probably a score draw, one one or two two. Um, both teams will be very desperate to um, finally get a win under their belt, but I don't think either side is going to be particularly good at doing so. Yeah, and to move on to you, Kev. Obviously, uh, game for Leeds United. You were at home to Sheffield Wednesday in sort of a Yorkshire derby. Mm. Um, how do you sort of see the game going? What would be your score prediction? Uh, and how do you sort of see the rest of the season going for Leeds now? Well, it's a perfect game, I think, for Leeds because uh, uh, it's a local derby, like you said. It's going to be a decent crowd there. <clears throat> Wednesday, I've had a terrible season, really. Um, they're sort of looking around the shoulders at the moment. Um, not playing very well. They are missing a lot of key players, granted, but the amount of money they've been spending over the last sort of two or three seasons is one of the reasons Carvajal left, I suppose, because he, he didn't achieve what the owners wanted him to achieve. And look at what he's doing now at Swansea. He's sort of uh, working wonders in the Premier League. So that was a bad decision, I think, looking back on it. Um, I expect us to beat them, to be fair. Um, uh, we've only won one game in 2018. The owners come out and says the commitment and the pa- passion and the spirit of the players is lacking. It's a strange thing for an owner to say about his squad, but 
I think most Leeds United fans would agree that, that he's saying the right things, but maybe at not quite the right time of the season. But hopefully the players will listen to that and bring it into uh, Saturday's game against Wednesday because we, it'd be nice to get another win under our belt and hopefully try and finish the season on a bit of a high. There's only, what, nine games to go. And if you can finish the season positively, obviously... It leads to the summertime and uh, a bit more positivity around the place, which is what is required at the moment. Yeah, definitely. To well, to move on to Preston's game, we go away to Sunderland, which you know, sort of a neutral looking at it, you'd expect us to go there and and hopefully pick up the three points. You know, they're in sort of a desperately bad run of form at the moment. Look, sort of, for the most part, that they're going to go down. You know, I think they're five points adrift at the bottom now, and it's going to take a real sort of quick turnaround for them to to claw their way to safety. So, you know, hopefully, from a, a Preston point of view, we can go there, get back to winning ways. You know, we we've played well against Fulham. We're just sort of unlucky to come away with the defeat, and as I mentioned earlier, should have got something out of the game. But, you know, we're, we're getting a full squad back fit now. And, you know, hopefully over these next few games, we can sort of kick back on and, and challenge for the playoffs. We've got Sunderland away and then Derby County at home. Then the following weekend, you know, we've mentioned they're in a bad run of form. So I think definitely the Sunderland game, we need to be looking at picking up the three points if we have any aspirations of making it into the playoffs. We... <sighs> It is a game that I expect us to win and quite often the games I expect us to win, we struggle in and it's the games that I don't think we'll do well and that we do pick up, you know, maximum points. So by no means do I think it will be easy and we'll really have to sort of fight for it if we are to get the three points out of the game. But, you know, we're taking a, a big following up there like we have done for the most of the season. You know, the fans are really getting behind the team and what Alex Neal's doing. So, you know, hopefully it's a good day out and I'm on the podcast at the weekend talking about another good three points and how we've closed the gap on the playoffs. If I was to be pushed for a score prediction, I'd probably say we should win by a goal or two, so maybe two or three, one. I think they might score and I'd probably go as far as to say they'd score first and then we'd get back into it, which seems to be the, the pattern that games go when we play teams sort of in the lower half of the table this season. You know, Bolton been a, a perfect example the other week of, of how a game sort of goes when we play a team sort of lower down the table. Um, but yeah, confident that we'll get the three points, but uh, you know, there's always that slight bit of doubt there being a Preston fan, which I've come to expect over the years supporting them. Um, but with that, we're out of time. Cheers for joining me today, guys. Uh, if you two want to let everyone know where they can follow you and any projects that you're involved in, that would be a good time. Yeah, I'm on uh, Leeds United Mad website. Um, also, Leeds United underscore Mad on Twitter. All the up-to-date details of what's going on at, at Leeds United. So um, if you're not following me already, Leeds fans, then now's your chance and hopefully we'll have a good end to the season. I'm editor of the Tilehurst End. You can find us on Twitter at the Tilehurst End. Uh, on Facebook as well, we've got our website where we talk all about Reading. And so give us a follow on there and look out for a podcast too. Yeah, and as I said earlier, you can follow me on my Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. I mainly tweet about, obviously, Preston North End, and then there's a bit of German football thrown in there as well. Um, and you can reach us on the show at Championship Pod where obviously the new episodes go up each week uh, and there's plenty of polls and, and things like that to get involved in throughout the week as well. So definitely give us a follow and then you won't miss an episode. Um, but yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. It's been a pleasure to have you both on as usual. Um, 
fingers crossed that both of your teams can get a good result at the weekend and uh, next time you're on hopefully we're all singing our team's praises but cheers for joining me and we'll see you next time 